0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show Since recently celebrating Mother's Day, I couldn't help but think of my mom, Kitty Proctor When I program this next show Mom was born here in Toronto, but on March 17th, she was as Irish as Paddy's pig, as the saying goes. When she listened to Dennis Day, either on the Jack Benny show or his own show, she'd sing along with him. And by the way, she had a beautiful soprano voice, which complimented his fine Irish tenor. So, if I listen close enough, I might even hear her singing along with this show that was broadcast in 1947. Here, then, is A Day in the Life of Dennis Day and the episode... Dennis Sells Insurance.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Day... Dennis Day is brought to you by Colgate Dental Cream and Luster Cream Shampoo. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Luster Cream, the cream shampoo for true hair loveliness. The Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, B. Benadera, Dink Trout, John Brown, Charles Danton, the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Here's Dennis singing Who Put That Gleam in Your Eyes?
3: Who put that dream in your eyes? And who put that song in your side? Please tell me who put that spring in your wall, and who put that lilt in your talk.
2: As you know, our young hero, Dennis Day, has been working at the Willoughby store in Weaverville for the past year and a half. Of course, his job isn't a very good one. The hours are long, the work is hard, and about the only thing you can say for it is that Mr. Willoughby doesn't pay him what he's worth, which is a break for Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) But evidently, the flame of ambition burns brighter in our hero than we had guessed, for it seems that Dennis... Well, let's look in at the Anderson living room where he's been telling his girlfriend, Mildred, some rather startling news.
4: Oh, Dennis, it's just marvelous. Another job in your spare time. Yeah. But how did you happen to pick the insurance business to go into?
5: Well, it's the best business there is. I figured it out. More people do it than anything. Do what? Die.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. But do you know anything about insurance?
5: Oh, I've been studying it for weeks. Believe me, I've been using my brain.
4: Well, why didn't you tell me about it before?
5: Oh, I didn't want to worry you. Oh, I see Gosh, I sure hope I can make a success of this If I do, I'll feel free to speak to your mother
4: Why, darling, you mean about me?
5: About anything, I'll just feel free to speak to her Uh
4: Oh, well, you'll make a success of it, Dennis I know you will
5: Sure, why not? I'm getting to know people here now And they're getting to know me, too And, say, that may be why not
4: (laughs) Dennis, you're not losing your self confidence again, are you?
5: When you're me, it's no trick at all.
4: <laughs> well, you've got to change then. And now, what have you done about getting prospects to sell insurance, too?
5: Well, I've left little pamphlets around here and at the store. Pamphlets? Yeah, the firm puts them out. People read them and start thinking about insurance, and then I come along and. Oh, good morning, Mr. Anderson. Good morning, my son. <laughs>
4: Good, My dear Good morning, Daddy Sleep well?
6: No, I didn't close my eyes all night
4: <laughs> Look at these
6: folders Someone left on my dresser last night Oh, those? Yes Just listen to these titles You may be a heavy burden To six men in dark suits But why be one to your family? <laughs> well, you see, Mr. Anderson
7: And,
6: and this one When you're ready to go, will the going be good?
7: (laughs) Makes you stop and think,
6: doesn't it? Yes, but hardly the kind of thoughts I like to dwell on. Well, I'm afraid I'm
5: responsible for those folders, Mr. Anderson. You see, I've gone into the insurance business in my spare time.
6: Oh, so that's it. Well, lots of luck, my boy. But you'll need more than just a few folders to sell insurance.
4: Oh, Dennis, has the marvelous sales talk all worked out, Daddy?
6: Yeah, a really subtle one. All I need is a little practice and I'm all set to go. Well, suppose you practice on me, son. Now, we'll pretend that I'm a prospect and you're trying to sell me some insurance, okay? Oh, you bet.
5: Well, 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 good morning, sir. How are you feeling this lovely morning? Fine, thank you. Really? You look horrible. (laughs) What? If you last two more months, I'm the king of Siam.
6: (laughs) Dennis, is that what you call subtle? You have to make some conversation first. Pass the time of day with the man.
5: Oh, I see.
6: Now, let's try it again. How do you do, young man? How do you do, sir? Well, well, here it is, nine o'clock in the morning. It is? Yep. Wonder how many
5: people died last night.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh, no, no, Dennis. No? Certainly not. You can't talk about things like that. Well, i got to introduce the subject, don't I? i got to let him know that if he passes away tonight, his widow should be happy as a lark tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Son, I wish you all the luck in the world in your new business, and I doubt it from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> and now, if you'll excuse me, I have my housework to do. Good day, to)
5: Gosh, uh, I didn't make any headway with even pretending, and I thought he might really buy some insurance from me, too.
4: Dennis, you know Daddy couldn't buy anything even if he wanted to. Why, as soon as he gets his money every week, Mother's got
5: it. Gee, you I mean she goes through his... As... Now I'm being silly. She's got them on. <laughs>
4: If you want to sell any insurance in this family, my mother's your only prospect.
5: Well, there goes this family.
4: Oh, not necessarily. Suppose you flattered her a little. She's very susceptible to it, you know.
5: I should flatter her?
4: Sure. Spread it on thick about her beauty and charm. It's worth a try, isn't it?
5: Well, gee, miss. Dennis, no your I...
4: only chance is to soften her up.
5: Gee, do you think softening up will be enough? In my case, she'd have to be absolutely tenderized. <laughs>
4: I'm sure you'll think of it. Good morning. Good morning, Mother.
5: Yes. Mrs. Anderson, don't move. Just stand there and let me drink you in. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) What glorious radiance. You're a vision of loveliness from the top of your dainty brown head to the bottom of your big, strong, white feet. (laughs) (laughs)
7: Dennis,
5: (laughs) I... You great, big, gorgeous, hunk of dreamboat. You... (laughs)
8: Why, Dennis, you you really think I'm attractive? Oh. oh, Dennis, you darling. Still, I've often thought I should be painted and perhaps photographed. Do you agree?
5: Oh, yes, ma'am. You'd photograph fine if you were painted. <laughs> What? Oh, that didn't come out right What I meant was <laughs> You were just made to be photographed While well, you belong on the screen The
8: most beautiful mother in the movies Oh, well, that's different <laughs> The Irene Dunn type, huh?
5: Exactly You'd be just perfect as her mother
8: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I would, would I? Mother, Dennis didn't mean that the way it sounded I say he did and I'll thank him to drop dead at his earliest convenience. <laughs> oh,
4: Dennis.
5: Yeah, I know. Gina, I was going great till I got going.
4: <laughs> well, that leaves you only one prospect, Mr. Willoughby. You'll just have to go down to the store and get him in a good mood. Now, let's see. What makes him happiest.
5: For me not to go down to the store?
4: <laughs>
7: <laughs>
4: well, you are going down, and I'm going to help you. Yeah? Look. I went to school with a boy named Austin Peterson. We used to call him Stinky, and he's now selling insurance. So? Well, suppose he called on you at the store, and you pretended to buy insurance from him in front of Mr. Willoughby.
5: Just pretended?
4: Well, naturally. But Mr. Willoughby would be so impressed by an underpaid person like you buying it that he'd be right for some himself.
5: Say, for once I think one of your ideas is going to work.
4: Of course. But before Austin gets there, you've got to butter up Mr. Willoughby the same way you did Mother. Uh huh. Only for heaven's sake, this time don't go as far.
5: Oh, okay. I'll forget that stuff about him making a beautiful screen, Mother.
9: <laughs> Gee, you really think I can sell this Dennis Day some insurance, Uncle Homer?
10: Just as sure as your name is Richard Willoughby, my boy. He's been leaving insurance folders all over the store, so I know he's interested.
9: Gosh, I don't know. Nothing ever happened with any of my other prospects.
10: All your other prospects got away because they outsmarted you. This
5: time, you're evenly matched.
9: (laughs) Gee, imagine.
5: Yes, I know it's hard to. What's more, I'm going to help you. I'm going to flatter the lad for you so he's in a mood to buy
9: Flatter him? Well,
5: sure. That's the way... Oh, oh, here he comes. Quick, duck out of sight for a couple of minutes. Okay. Dennis, my dear, dear son, good morning. Mr. Willoughby, don't move. Just stand there and let me drink you in. Say, Dennis, you're the grandest, loveliest boy I've ever known. And you're the finest, sweetest man, Mr. Willoughby. I don't know anyone I'd rather mop a floor for. Dennis, I don't know anyone I'd rather have mop it. You've given me a magnificent floor to work on, Mr. Willoughby. Knees like yours deserve the best, Dennis. Dennis. You're good, Mr. Willoughby. You're fine. You're considerate. You're loyal. You're sweet. You're sincere. You're pure. You're... You're wholesome. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to wait for my turn.
7: <laughs> That's
9: quite all right. I'd forgive you anything, Dennis. And I love you, Mr. Willoughby. <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, Mr. Day? Yes? How do you do? I happen to be an insurance man, and I... Oh, the fellow... Mil- I mean, uh, How are you, Stinky? Beg Pardon? I said, how are you, Stinky? Well, I guess the customer's always right. (laughs) Fine, thanks.
5: Good. Uh, What can I do for you, old man? Oh, stick around, Mr. Willoughby.
9: Oh, I was wondering if you'd be interested in a life insurance policy. Sure, I'll take it. It's a wonder... (laughs) Hmm?
5: Sign me up for a $1,000. You talk me into it.
9: What did I say? I'd like to remember it. (laughs)
5: It wasn't so much what you said, it was the way I listened.
9: Oh, well, thank you very much, sir, and goodbye. Oh, just a minute. I understand your firm also carries accident insurance. Yes,
5: sir. Well, suppose I got laid up because of an accident and lost two weeks' pay. Gee, that's right. And what about the doctor's bills I'd be running up? Yeah. And who's going to pay my room rent while I'm in bed? Yeah. Accident insurance is great. I think I ought to take some. Really? I'd be a fool not to if what you say is true. Gee. <laughs> You're a real
9: high-pressure customer Now, Stinky, are there any types of insurance you've forgotten? Oh, I imagine there must be some I haven't mentioned Put me down for $100 worth of each <laughs> If I'd known it was going to be like this, I'd have sold tickets Gosh, I certainly do thank you, Mr. Day Would you mind signing right here?
5: Oh, not at all, honey. There you are.
9: Gee, you sure were right about Mr. Day, Uncle Homer. His premiums will come to at least a hundred dollars.
5: Oh, sure. I'm a great believer in ins- Uncle Homer? Why, yes, Richard here is my nephew. You you mean he isn't stinky? Well, that of course is open to debate.
7: <laughs>
5: but I mean Mildred Anderson didn't send him down here? Mildred Anderson?
9: And who's Mildred Anderson?
5: Oh, she's the girl who perfected the revolting development. <laughs> oh,
4: Dennis, will you stop carrying on? So it isn't my fault Austin Peterson was out of town.
5: What are we gonna do, Mildred? I'm stuck for a hundred dollars worth of insurance premiums.
4: Golly. If you could only sell mother insurance for the whole family You could earn that much in commissions Dennis, we've got to think
5: Oh, what's the use, Mildred? I'd be better off if I'd just give up And go out and throw myself under a truck
4: Why, Dennis, that's it!
5: (laughs) (laughs) Just to sell some insurance You would let my lovely white body be mangled?
4: I don't mean a real accident, silly Well, just pretend there's been one When Mother sees you all bandaged up, she'll realize it could have happened to her. And she'll buy some insurance. Oh,
5: well, if you think she won't suspect... Of
4: course she won't. And even if she does catch on, we'll just work the fake injury trick on someone else.
5: Don't be silly. If she catches on, the injuries won't be a fake. (laughs) Oh, well, get out the bandages. (laughs)
4: does it. You look perfect, Dennis.
5: Don't you think we've overdone it a little? Shouldn't there be a little hole I could
4: talk out of? Oh. Well, here, I'll push some of it aside. There. Oh, Mildred. Oh, golly, we just got through in time. There she is. Oh. In here, Mother. Quick, lie down on the couch, Dennis. Mildred, I just wanted to... Good heavens, who's that? Oh, Mother. <laughs> Mother, it's Dennis. He's been hurt. Hurt? Badly? Oh, <laughs>
8: Oh, Dennis. Speak to me.
5: How did it happen? I... I was crossing a street when suddenly a 20-ton truck came bearing down on me at 80 miles an hour and hit me (laughs) head-on. Good. Yes, ma'am. My face is all scratched.
4: (laughs) Your face is scratched? Oh, it's much worse than that, Mother. He's
8: delirious. He doesn't know what he's saying. Oh, my. Is the pain dreadful, Dennis? Terrible. And no insurance at all. Oh, dear, to be seriously injured in a strange town so far from your home. Yeah, with
5: no insurance.
8: (laughs) How much you must wish that you had your mother here at a time like this? I'll say, and a few dollars' worth of insurance. (laughs) You see,
4: Mother, he has no insurance.
8: Yes, I was beginning to suspect it.
5: (laughs) Yeah, Mrs. Anderson, and you ought to buy some right away. A thing like this could happen to someone you care about.
8: Well... Mildred, do you realize that when that boy is delirious, he makes sense? I'm going to buy all the insurance I can as fast... Now, who can that be? I'll answer it.
9: Yes? How do you do? Is Mr. Day in? I brought over the insurance policies he bought this morning. Insurance policies? Mildred,
5: I feel a cold wind blowing on me. (laughs) Uh,
8: Daddy gentleman dropped in to bring you your insurance policy. Gosh, Mr. Day, is that you? And you're injured. Oh, that's awful. The company
9: gives us demerits when they have to pay off so soon. <laughs> no, I'm
8: I'm not really injured, Richard. Your company won't have to pay me. I wouldn't count on it, Richard. Huh? Dennis, this time you've gone too far. This time I'm re... Dennis Day, come back here and fight like a man. <laughs>
4: Dennis, it's safe you can come out now. She's left the
7: house.
5: Well, goodbye, Mildred. It was nice knowing you.
4: Dennis, wait. All we've got to do is think this thing out.
5: That's what I'm going to do, Mildred. Sit down in China somewhere and think it out. Goodbye. <laughs>
4: Listen, Dennis, I've got another idea. Mildred,
5: I'm not a strong boy. Let's quit while I'm alive,
4: huh? <laughs> To do is go down to the office of the insurance company You bought the policies from
5: And just tell them I don't want the policies?
4: No, tell them you want a dozen more
5: Girl, I knew it would happen You've blown your whistle
4: <laughs> yes, wait When you ask for more insurance They'll wonder why
5: They won't be alone
4: Well, suppose you convinced them That you'd had reversals And were about to commit suicide Wouldn't they cancel all the policies You bought this morning?
5: Well, it's possible, I suppose
4: possible nothing it's a certainty. I'll go with you and wait for you. Surely you can make them believe you're desperate enough for suicide can't you?
5: Why not? All I got to do is be myself.
4: (laughs) Now have you got everything straight? Exactly what you're to say?
5: Yeah I think so. I've even got a little idea of my own I might try too.
4: Oh Dennis and up to now I was so confident.
5: Well, don't worry. I may not have to use it.
4: But what if? Shh, the
5: fellow might hear you. Well, here I go.
10: How do you do, sir?
5: Hello. I'm Dennis Day, the fellow who bought those policies from your company yesterday. Oh,
10: yes, sir. And what can we do for you today?
5: Well, I'd like another $100,000 worth of life insurance.
10: A uh, hundred thousand dollars worth? Pretty suspicious, huh? Why, not at all. Uh, just a moment till I locate my rate book.
5: Oh, no hurry. I got no place to go. My house burned down yesterday. It...
10: Really? Let's see now. Too bad,
5: too. I think my wife was in it. I haven't seen her all day.
7: <laughs> oh, this is the annuity
10: book.
5: Yeah, that's the way it's been going lately. Yesterday, little Eloise got to playing with my razor. Darned if she didn't cut her dear little face. Oh? Clear off.
7: <laughs>
5: little things, but they add up. Make a fellow pretty unhappy.
10: I know that book is here someplace.
5: Oh, take your time. I'll be alive for minutes yet.
10: Ah, here we are. And now let's see. Uh, Your age is 22, I believe.
5: Yeah. The oldest anyone in my family ever lived to be.
10: (laughs) How's that? My grandfather killed himself when he was
5: 17. I knew him only slightly, of course.
7: (laughs) What? Yeah.
5: Uncle George went young, too. Hung himself from the ceiling one evening with his head in the gas oven.
7: (laughs) Then he
5: stabbed himself in the heart, put a bullet through his brain. When we found him, he was a pretty sick boy.
7: Your
10: your whole family were suicide?
5: Starting to wake up, huh?
10: (laughs) But surely you're not that sort of a person.
5: Oh, no? See this?
10: A a gun. Mr. Day, put that down.
5: I'm going to blow out my brains right after you give me that $100,000 policy.
10: After? Mr. Day, that isn't ethical. But I
5: can't leave my little ones with just these small policies I bought yesterday.
10: Yeah. Give me those policies. Hey! There. My goodness, if you're not going to live, we don't want you holding our policies. The home office hates that.
4: <laughs> well, thanks,
10: old man. So
5: long.
4: Dennis, did you... Dennis, that gun!
5: What are you doing with it? Oh, that was a little idea I had, Mildred. The convincer. I put it to my head and started to press the trigger. Then he believed me. But Janice, I Oh, don't worry. It's only your father's old trophy pistol. But he didn't know it wasn't loaded and couldn't fire even if it was. See? Even if I pulled the trigger all day like this, it wouldn't. Janice! Ooh, but I nearly blew out. <laughs>
2: Charles Dance and the orchestra, here's Dennis singing Cole Porter's Begin the begin. When
3: they begin the begin, it brings back the sound of music so tender. It brings back an eye of tropical splendor. It brings back a memory evergreen I'm with you once more Under the stars And down by the shore An orchestra's play And even the That was wasted. I know but too well what they mean. So oh, do let them begin. The begin. Let the love that was once a fire remain an ember. Let it sleep like the dead desire. I only remember when they begin, the beginning.
5: starvation. And this situation concerns every American, not only for humanitarian reasons, but to protect our own freedom. For if hunger brings on a collapse of the effort to build free governments abroad, our own security will be seriously threatened. So we can help protect the peace we fought so hard to win by sending Europe enough food now. But to do this, every American must cooperate with our government, and here's how. One, eat no meat on Tuesday. Two, eat no poultry on Thursday. Three, save a slice of bread every day. Or waste nothing. Clean your plate at every meal. Remember, your help is urgently needed. Save wheat, save meat, save the peace. Good night, everybody, and a special good night to all my old Navy shipmates who celebrate Navy Day this coming Monday.
2: This is Smith reminding you that an interesting story of Dennis Day is appearing in the current issue of Movie Star Parade, now on sale. Dennis Day returns again next week. Same time, same station. Join us then, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
1: Stay tuned for Suspense, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Thrills and Chills with Suspense, here on Theater of the Mind.
11: The hushed voice, the prowling step in the dead of night, the crime that is almost committed, the stir of nerves at the ticking of the clock. The rescue that might be too late, or the murderer who might get away. Mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure. We invite you to enjoy stories that keep you in...
0: Suspense. For Suspense, tonight we present The Body Snatchers by John Dixon Carr.
12: Beware of the body snatcher who prowls after dark. Beware of the graves he robs. Beware of the murders he commits to provide new corpses
11: for the doctors. Up to the year 1832, the body snatchers terrorized England. According to the law, only four bodies a year could legally be supplied to the surgeons for anatomical study... And even these were a monopoly granted to the Barbers' and Surgeons' Company of London. But the study of surgery had to go on. In hundreds of medical schools all over England, perfectly reputable doctors were compelled to buy bodies and ask no questions. In 1828 burst the scandal of Burke and Hare, who found grave-robbing too slow and murdered 16 persons in order to supply Dr. Knox of Edinburgh. And so, out of basic good purpose, sprang the evil of... The body snatcher. Turn back the clock now, to a cold night just 110 years ago. Look into the brick kitchen of a house on Wandsworth Common. Not far from London. There, in the light of a tallow dip, sits old Mother Slade in her draggled bonnet.
12: What's a keep Two hours. Two mortal hours by the Dutch clock. And they're not here yet.
13: Mother Slade? In the
12: graveyard, not half a mile off. And once, I thought I heard church bells ring one, Mother Slade, did you call? No, my girl, I did not call. But I thought I... And heard. what are you doing up at this hour, my girl? I was only locking up, Mother Slade. Ain't it enough to have taken you over from a good-for-nothing mother not worth the gunpowder to blow her up? Oh, please, Mother Slade. And given you a good home? And brought you up practically like a lady? With only the housework to do? I'm sorry, Mother Slade. Only I wish you wouldn't talk like that about me own mother. And what do you do, Peggy Lester? You stop up until this hour. You mislay me snap box 20 times
13: a day. I was only going to say I thought I heard a horse and cart in the lane.
12: In our lane?
13: Yes, Mother Slade. There it is now.
12: Yes. Easy, my dears. Drive easy with the merchandise. The doctors don't like it if you bump the merchandise. Merchandise, Mother Slade? What's that? I'll tell you what it is, my girl. I didn't mean anything, Mother Slade. It's your Uncle Matt and your cousin Rob are coming home from their business. That's what it is. You hear that, Piggy Lister? I didn't mislay your snuff box. It's on the table. And if you don't want me to take my fingernails to you instead of a strap, you get on up to bed this minute. Jeer? Yes, Mother Slade. I'm a-coming, my dears. Don't be impatient. I'm a-coming. Nasty, dim light this candle gives. Oh, old Mother Slater's got the rheumatic so cruel she can hardly move. Just pull back the bar, open the door.
14: Well met. Did you get it? Did we get it? Strike me blind, but that's a good one, ain't it, Rob? Still the gad caught you, dead. get inside and close the door. They ain't after you. Ain't they? Can't you hear anything? I thought I heard church bills. More like a punishing funeral bell,
15: if you asks me. Take it easy, Rob. Take it easy. We've shaken them off.
14: Have we? I wish I was as certain as some people. The spades and sack is still in the cart.
15: Let them stay. Who's a-coming to find them?
14: Then you didn't get it after all, you thick skull pairer. Now, don't you start a blaming us. Now, you shut your potato trap over Slade, or Matt'll make you shut it. What happened? I'll tell
15: you what happened. He was too quick, that's what. The girl was only buried this afternoon. The sooner the better, my dear.
12: What's the good of the merchandise if it ain't
15: fresh, eh? You hold your noise and listen. We left the Orson cart outside like we always do. We creeps up to the Litz gate of the church... Walk softly, Matt.
11: Walk softly, Rob, in your oily beaver hats and neckcloths, under the starlight and the white frosted elms. Take care of the graves, too. Spring guns may be set in some of them to protect the dead from marauders. And if the coffin is one of those new iron ones,
15: all your labor will be in vain. Open the gates softly. Don't make such a bloody row with them shovels.
14: I can't help it. I'm loaded down with all this stuff. Oh, and
15: who'll do all the work when we do get there? I will. Matt. Aye? Listen. I can't hear nothing except your teeth are chattering.
14: Matt, there's other people besides us in this here churchyard.
15: Aye, two or three hundred deaders. But they won't bother us.
14: I means living people.
15: Don't talk, so.
14: Somebody's got a dark lantern. i see seen it flash past the gravestones. Oh? Where? Can't you see it now? It's a coming straight toward us.
15: Yes, I see him. Come on.
14: They've seen us, Matt. That's not me, devil. Let him
15: have it, Matt. He's about to
14: walk. Down beyond the gravestones.
15: Right, stand. Stand. They can't shoot through stone,
14: Matt. It says here, sacred to the memory of it's the girl's
15: relatives. They've been watching her grave. They They want to get up now. They'll have to climb the wall. Oh, struce. If only I had my barkers. First time in two years I've gone without a brace of pistols, and this happens.
14: But you ain't got your barkers, Matt Patterson.
15: I got what's just as good. Give me a shovel.
14: What are you going to do?
15: Charge them. This here shovel's got a nice edge. Are oh, you daft? They'll have to take time out to reload, won't they? Do you hear that? Somebody started the bill. That'll bring down every peeler within a mile. If you want a diving ticket and a neck in, your, in a rope, stop where you are. But if you don't want to get scragged before your time, follow me. That's all there is to it, Mother Slade. We went out by the gate and blow me if they could stop us. You
14: perishing nuns, cows. Do they recognize you? No. We had our neckerchiefs round our eyes. And Did you do it?
15: I don't know. There's blood on the shovel.
14: No, there ain't, Mother Slade. I wiped it off.
15: Anyway, we're here. What I want now is a Christian fire to sit by. And a drop of spirits to warm me stomach. There's no spirits in the house, Matt Harrison. Don't you lie to me, you ugly man! Yeah.
12: Matt Harrison. I'm warning You'd you. Better let it yeah. go, Matt.
15: Yeah.
12: There's no spirits. Only half a loaf of bread. Don't I know it? I haven't tasted a drop of gin all day. The black dogs on me back. Well, look at what I say. The doctor was promised a corp tonight. All right, dearie, he gets a corp tonight.
15: Uh, There's that
14: funeral bell again?
15: What's the clock, old hag? Come on, spit it out. A
12: nice young corp without any trouble or bother. Aye. What about young Peggy upstairs? Strike me blind. What about it, eh?
15: You'd have to be mighty careful. Why? You'd have to smother her with a pillow while I sit on her legs. That's what work on air done up in Edinburgh. Then you don't leave any marks on them. See? See? You're off a tick weight. If the doctors see they've been polished off, just plain murdered, they won't have nothing to do with it. These days, they don't like it. Like it or not, dearie, they all do. Who's buying the beef tonight?
12: Dr. George Arnold. Him? The young fella out Fulham Way? That's the man, dearie. But I thought he was too pious and holy to play. That's what Dr. Arnold thought, too, till they started putting the screws on him at Bart's College. No corp, they said to him. No lecture. No lecture, no students. It all comes to it, dearie, sooner or later.
15: What beats me is why they got to have these bodies. You'd think the doctors killed enough people as it is, without obeying them after they was dead.
12: Don't you question the ways of providence, Matt Patterson. You can't do it, Matt.
14: You can't do it, Mother slave. You stole that noise, Bob Plenty. Do you want to wake the poor girl upstairs? But you can't do it. This cove Arnold, he knows her.
15: Arnold knows her.
14: He knows Peggy. Peggy fair-worships the ground he walks on. Oh. He set her arm once when Mother Slade broke it, accidental-like, and she can't forget him. What's Arnold going to think when he opens up the sack and he finds it? What
15: can Arnold do? He's bought her, ain't he? He can't go to the police and say he's bought her.
14: Peggy. Peggy Lester, don't do it, Mother Slade. Don't do it. And
12: how do you two sickheads know what Mother Slade is a going to do?
14: You're going to kill her, ain't you? Peggy, Peggy Lester. Why? I, I thought I heard her moving about upstairs.
15: You did, Mister Milkenwater. She's on the stairs now.
12: Rob, you're the least to be depended on. Go out and fetch him the sack. Don't do it. It'll bring us all bad luck. Matt, you're a lad after me own art. You stop where you are and do just as I tell you. Trim the candle. Let's have it all nice and snug.
15: Mm. What'll she bring, do you think? Fifteen guineas. Hmm? Maybe (laughs) twenty. Maybe more. Twenty guineas? Strike me blind. But this is a way of doing business that I I like.
4: Listen Did you call me Mother
12: Slade? That's right, my ducky. That's right, my little pet. Put your wrap around you and your slippers to keep your feet warm and come right down here to Mother Slade I'm coming, Mother Slade I'm coming. <laughs>
11: Who, in those times, would be a surgeon and still be an honest man? At that drugged hour of the night, look into the sitting room of a spacious house. Many candles are still alight there, though they have burned down nearly to their silver sockets. There is Chinese paper on the walls and a turkey carpet underfoot. In front of the fire, now almost out, sits Dr. George Arnold with his bottle-green coat and heavy hair.
13: Dr. Arnold, sir.
16: What? I, I, I beg your pardon, Mrs. Tancred.
13: Dr. Arnold, sir, it's gone two o'clock. Yes,
16: yes, oh yes, so it has.
13: You've got a lecture to deliver tomorrow, and you'll be all worn out. Why don't you go on up to bed?
16: Mrs. Tancred. Yes, sir? You're a jewel of a housekeeper. I admire you, and I can't do without you. But would you please go away and let me alone? Mm, sure, I'm very sorry, sir. No offense, intended. Ah, uh, stop. I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm. Uh, I'm thinking too much, perhaps. And smoking
13: too many cigars, if you'll excuse me.
16: Why must they keep tolling that bell at East Hill Church? Why must they keep it up all night?
13: Well, sir, Elsie says the parson told them to do it. Elsie. Wait. Who? <laughs> Who
16: is Elsie?
13: Dr. Arnold, sir. I know you're always up in the clouds, mooning over books and whatnot, but I did think you'd recognize the name of your own parlour, maid.
16: Oh, that Elsie. I see. Well?
13: Elsie says it's because of the murder in the churchyard. What murder? Two resurrection men. Body snatchers, sir. Oh, you wouldn't know anything about such people. No,
16: no. No, of course not.
13: They were caught trying to rob a grave, but they got away... One of them was a horrible big fella. Split Willie Kendrick's head open with the edge of a shovel.
16: Is anything wrong, sir? No, no not exactly. Well, I thought for a second, seeing how you looked. Did they, did they get the body?
13: Yes, sir. It was Willie Kendrick. His head was split open
16: with a shovel. No, no, I, I mean, did these resurrection men get what they were after? No, sir. Thank God. Oh, you may well say that, Doctor. I wasn't exactly speaking in the religious sense, but never mind.
13: What Elsie says, there are what she calls peelers all over the place. Peelers? Yes, these new policemen. After Sir Robert Peel. And somebody from the new detective police that they're using instead of the Bow Street Runners.
16: Well, Mrs. Tancred, I'm going to smoke one more cigar and then I'm going to bed. Very good, sir. You see, sometimes you give orders, then it's too late to recall them. Whatever the medical practice is, you, you can't look your conscience in the face afterwards. Then, I can't tell you how or why, a miracle comes along and saves you, and you're free. You're... What was that? Sounds like a horse and cart in the drive, sir. Mrs. Tancred. Yes, Doctor. Will, will you please go upstairs? Now make haste. But if it's visitors, sir, or even a patient... Mrs. Tancred, you heard my instructions. Obey them.
13: Sir, there's
16: the front door. Yes, I, I heard it. For the last time, go away. I will admit whatever visitors we have.
13: Yes,
12: sir. Good evening, dearie.
16: Oh, come into the sitting room here, Miss. Uh, Mrs. Slade.
12: La, sir. Uh, just call me Mother Slade. It don't hardly seem natural or friendly to hear anything else. It's a pleasure to curtsy to you, Doctor. Coo. What a lovely room. I... I suppose... Your candles is going out, though. One by one. Poof! Then
16: you'll be in the dark. I suppose you've come to report failure. Failure, dearie? I... I understand you didn't get what you went after. Bless you, dearie.
12: We got something just as good. Finest piece of merchandise you ever saw. You haven't got it here. Bless you, dearie. Mother Slade always keeps her word. Bring the merchandise in, my dears, so the doctor can
7: see it. Quiet, please. Oh, of
12: course, dearie, I forgot. The big fella with the black eyebrows is Uncle Matt. The little fella with the watery eyes is Cousin Rob. And between them, in that sack, they're
16: carrying... Who is it in the sack?
12: Nineteen-year-old girl, dearie. Finest anatomical specimen you ever saw.
15: Merciful where heavens. do you want this here thing dumped, Governor? Easy now, Matt.
16: Why did you bring it here? That's where you told us to bring it, dearie. I, I mean, why did you bring it to the front door? Why not to the surgery?
15: Only place in the house where there was lights, Governor. Hurry up now. Where do
16: you want it? Well, take it... Yes, dearie? Take it over and put it in the cupboard there, where I'm pointing.
14: This cupboard here, sir? Yes. Yes,
16: then, then close the cupboard door.
12: Shame on you two. Tracking your muddy boots over the doctor's lovely turkey carpet. Easy, my dears. Easy now.
15: All right, Robin. She
12: goes, don't bruise the merchandise. Whatever you do, don't bruise the merchandise.
15: Right, me blind What's the odds. She can't feel it now. Here's your body, Mr. Sawbones. Now, uh, let's see your money. Well, just one moment before I give it to you. There ain't no itch in this, is there? Uh, better not be.
16: No, I I made a bargain with you, and I'll stick to it. Thank you. That's uncommon genteel of you. of stand back, sir. You're two stone of fat heavier than I am, and you don't impress me. Easy, Matt. Take it easy. I, I want to ask only one question. Where did you get that body? That's a question,
12: dearie, what people in your profession don't ask. Why not? Because they don't dare.
16: That's why. Would the police be interested in where you got the body?
12: No, dearie. Not half so interested in as where we brought it.
16: To your house. It's your responsibility now. Yes, I suppose it is. The victim wouldn't be by any chance that Pretty little girl you used to treat so unmercifully. You
12: won't your noise about how I treated her.
16: I was rather fond of Peggy. Oh, 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 oh. Strike me blind. I think this software.
17: Soul... Oh, oh, dearie. get out of this house. All of you. Go on, get out.
16: Not
12: without that money, dearie.
16: It's twenty guineas now. There's money on the table under that newspaper. Take what you want, honey. Get out of here before I
14: Oh, what was that?
16: Ah. What was
15: it? A late visitor, I imagine. Was you expecting anybody? Eh?
16: No.
12: Don't drop the lovely money, Rob. Don't drop it all over the carpet. Pick
16: it up. Is it the back way, Addy? Yes, it's the way you should have come. Through that arch and, and down the passage. Thank you for the rhino,
15: governor. And no games, mind you, if you know what's good for you. Good night, dearie.
12: Remember, you've got the body now.
16: Yes. I, I've got the body now. Poor... Poor little devil.
13: Dr. Arnold, said,
16: In heaven's name, Mrs. Tancred, haven't you gone to bed yet?
13: I had to get up, sir, to answer the oh, bell. yes, yes,
16: of course. I, I'm sorry.
13: Why, Dr. Arnold, what's the matter with you? Matter? You're as white as a ghost and you're almost crying. Am I? Well, we must remedy that. Why, it's so dark in here, I could barely see you sitting there. The candles going out one after another nothing but smoke and an ugly smell of grease and that cupboard door.
16: What about that cupboard door?
13: I always declare, sir, it won't keep shut without any latch or bolt. If you'll excuse the letter...
16: Mrs. Tancred, keep away from that cupboard.
13: Dr. Arnold, sir.
16: Are you ill or anything? No, but keep away from that cupboard. Who... who rang the bell? Oh,
13: dear, I was almost forgetting. It's that man Elsie was talking to us about. What man? The officer of the detective police, sir. He wants to see you.
16: Well, I'll see him, but in some other room, not
17: here. It's. As you say, there's not enough light. Uh, not a bit of it, Doctor. Not a bit of it. Never too dark, as you might say, where the police are concerned. I couldn't help it, sir. He must have
13: followed me down the hall. Uh,
17: are you. Uh, that's right, Doctor. I'm Stalker at your service. Inspector Stalker. Well, uh, how do you do, Inspector?
16: Mrs. Tancred, you may go.
13: By your leave, sir, I'll just get some more candles and put them in that bracket by the cupboard. It's not in use.
17: No, you needn't trouble.
13: It's no trouble, sir. Excuse me.
17: First of all, Doctor, I must apologize for intruding as late as this. Uh, Not at all, Inspector. Will you be seated? Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. Now, I dare say you're wondering why I'm here. Oh, yes, I am, rather. It's a bad business, Doctor. A very bad business. You mean the... Murder in the churchyard. Oh, you've heard about it. Well,
16: my housekeeper said something about a a man being killed with a shovel. That's
17: right, Doctor. Not much doubt about who did that. No? No. The little fellow dropped his dark lantern with the initials on it. They're professional body snatchers. We've had our eye on them for a long time. Speaking of body snatchers, Doctor... Well... I expect this anatomy law is pretty hard in you surgeons. It's an infamous law, sir. Oh, the same, doctor. It is
0: the law. Yes.
17: And if any surgeon happened to be caught with a body, especially a murdered body... what What are you hinting at? Nothing, doctor, nothing. By your leave, I only want to ask a question. Well? What time did your friends leave? Oh, come, Doctor. As one man of the world to another, do you see any green in my eye? You are not going to say you had no guests when their horse and cart are still at your front door. They didn't get away. No, Doctor, they didn't. So they met a little reception committee as they left by the back door. is on the wrists. Snap. Just as I might reach out and touch your wrist. Like this. What do you mean by... Derby's? Handcuffs. I've got a pair in my pocket. Gags into their mouths. That's to keep them from biting. Look, do do we have to go on with this? You you already seem to know everything I could tell you. Not exactly everything. I don't know, for instance, where you've hidden the girl's body. You're a very diligent man, Inspector Stalker. Thank you, sir. I try to do my duty. You said... Girl, these gin-muddled degenerates have been watched every second since they left East Hill churchyard. They hadn't a body then, but they brought one here. And there's only one other person who lives in the same house with them.
13: Dr. Arnold,
17: sir. Mrs. Tancred, listen to me. Yes, sir. Must you always break
16: in with the most completely ill-timed entrances at all the worst period of my life? I was only trying to be
13: helpful, sir.
17: That's right, madam. Always be helpful.
16: You had to have some light. Here's the
13: candle, sir. Five of them, in a big candelabra. We can hang them in the bracket.
17: Ma'am, hold up that light. Hold it high.
13: Really, sir? I'm not in the habit of being spoken to
16: as Hold it
17: high, I tell you. Do as the inspector tells you, Mrs. Tancred. Mm, This is a very fine carpet you've got here, Doctor. Yes, others have admired it tonight. Mm, But it oughtn't to have footprints on it. Muddy footprints. Footprints leading from the door Past the sofa, past the hearth, over to oh, that cupboard. Quite correct. I think that's done it, Dr. Arnold. I think it has, Inspector Stalker. We couldn't have proved anything against you for that churchyard business. but this. Let, let me open Bluebeard's cupboard, Inspector. Let me be the
16: first to show you what's inside. If you wanted a certain body,
17: it appears you've come to the right place. Now... Look, Lord Almighty.
13: I'm the body, Mr. Police, standing up and very much alive and wearing a nice new dress that the doctor gave me.
17: That I gave you. Don't
13: say anything. Please don't say anything. Uh,
17: Stop a bit, miss. Aren't you Peggy Lester?
13: Yes. Just because the doctor has to be so terribly respectable and a girl who's fond of him has to come here in secret. Wait a minute,
17: everybody. Peggy Lester, you're lying.
13: I am not lying.
17: So that's it. Why didn't I guess it? It's the oldest body snatcher's trick in the world. Is it? Of course, the old pinch penny, like Mother Slade, couldn't sacrifice a good household grudge. Of course, they brought the body here, instead of taking it to the surgery, where it might get locked up. Could you be persuaded, Inspector, to to tell us just what you're talking about? The body snatcher, sir. Well, what about them? They take a living accomplice and put him into a sack and sell him to a green doctor as a dead man. Yes, but see, here I... They get the best price they can. Then in the middle of the night, that accomplice gets up and robs the doctor's house. And the doctor can't tell us because he's bought illegal goods.
4: I never intended to go through with it.
17: No, young woman?
13: I tell you, I wasn't going to rob the house. They made me do this. I was going to tell Dr. Arnold. When I found out where they were taking me, I pretended to go through with it so I could warn the doctor. I can hurt so much, you'll agree to almost anything.
17: That sounds like the truth, but it puts me in a funny position, and no mistake.
16: Well, your your three murderers, Inspector,
17: seem to be be leaving. Yes, they're leaving right enough. Trussed up like fowls and under guard. Does anybody go with them? How can anybody go with them? I'm willing to believe this girl acted under threats. She's committed no crime. And I don't for the life of me see how we can touch you. Can't touch me? No, sir. And confound you for making me lose a night's sleep. There's no body. We didn't, you didn't even buy a body. Will you tell me, Doctor, just what crime you've committed?
0: And
11: so ends. The Body Snatchers. A story of London at midnight, a hundred years ago. And tonight's story of. Suspense. Columbia presents these tales of mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure for your relaxation and enjoyment. Next Tuesday, there will be another in this series, same hour, 9.30 Eastern Wartime. William Speer, the producer, John Dietz, the director, Alexander Semler, the composer, conductor and John Dixon Carr, the author, are collaborators on
0: Suspense. This is the Columbia
1: Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast
0: is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.